You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyTShirt.com. It is game week, and game week's Tuesday, I mean, on-the-beat podcast. Like I said, I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. I've got Greg Barnes with me, Ross Martin, traveling. Full disclosure, we're recording on Labor Day, so Ross is out and about, but I've got Greg, and Greg, over the last three weeks, four weeks, we've been doing sort of a state of, state of the position segment and on the beat uh, schedule, and I want to keep that. After the break, we'll talk more about the team as a whole and the week as a whole, but let's get into the offensive line. This is the last position. Um, that we've covered here on these podcasts, did defensive line last week and then the rest of them two and three weeks ago. The offensive line, if there's one position that everybody's concerned about, both trenches, but the offensive line has some issues. The official depth chart came out, I guess, Monday from Mac Brown. Your first blush thoughts at at what we're seeing here, Um, for me, and I mentioned it off the air just now. I'll go ahead and get it out of the way. Jonathan Adorno being the backup center sort of caught my eye as a true freshman. Yeah, for sure. And I think kind of what that reinforces is that Tom Murray came in last year. And for those of us who were able to watch him in practice, kid's a beast. I mean, there's no question about it. He's got a lot of tenacity, um, low center of gravity, can really kind of explode off the ball, which is everything that you want with the center. But he was banged up all year last year. And they thought that he was a guy that could actually play quite a bit. Because if you remember back, you know, Brian Anderson really struggled early. And they thought Murray could at least spell him some, keep him fresh, and to see, hey, yeah, maybe Murray's the guy that can take that job. Uh, but he was injured majority of the year and has battled that you know, in training camp as well. So uh, credit to the Jonathan Adorno, uh, a big recruit for UNC, obviously coming in. They worked him at tackle and center for a good bit of – uh, training camp, trying to kind of cross-train him to get him prepared. The fact, you know, as of the last seven to ten days that they've moved him off a tackle and really worked him specifically at center, to me says, hey, you, we think this is the guy at center for us that's going to back up Brian Anderson. Uh, you know, while there's depth concerns across the board, which we're going to get into, you've got to have two centers ready to go. And that was an issue last year. But the fact that they're giving Adorno so many reps right now, I suspect he'll play a lot early uh, just to get him kind of experience and get him to get a taste of, of game speed at the college level. Um, that's good for him. Probably not good for North Carolina having to count on a you know, true freshman as a backup center. Yeah, looking at the depth chart, I think it certainly bodes well down the line. No seniors listed. Yep. Uh, and, and you've got – a guy like William Barnes, a sophomore now, which it feels like he's been at North Carolina for quite some time, as much ink as he gets on the inside Carolina message boards. He's listed it back up at right guard behind just a monster of a man, Marcus McKeithen. I think that's a position, too, I'll watch, especially early in the season. Those two guys battling out. Barnes came in more highly regarded, but 
just discuss what McKeith and, and Barnes can bring to that right guard position. Well, McKeith was a guy they brought in who was really raw. Um, and they knew this, this is massive human being. Uh, Chris Kapilovic really thought that he was going to be a, a tackle eventually. And last year, Stacey Searles really liked what he could do on the inside. He has the potential uh, to slide outside if they need him to. But I think they really like what he can bring in terms of the run game on the interior. And he, he really uh, adapted well to that role last year. And they like him and, and Joshua Zudu at the guard positions. Um, the backup at, at guard right now, though, and this is kind of where it gets interesting, you know, Zudu is your left guard. But if McKeithen goes out, the guy that's going to replace McKeithen is going to be Azudu. Uh, and the reason why is because Ed Montalus is, is number six in the pecking list. And as Mac Brown has talked about, they really only feel good about six guys. I think the way they phrase it is they love six guys. And it's their starting five, uh, and it's Ed Montalus. Because uh, Ed had a, had a pretty good year last year. And after a few games, I think his confidence got dinged a little bit, and he became inconsistent. And he lost some of that playing time to Zudu uh, down the stretch. Uh, Adorno, as we've talked about, is a guy that's really come on strong. They think that he's going to be a guy that they can kind of pencil in as the number seven guy on the offensive line. Uh, maybe not there yet. They're going to try to get him playing time to see how he reacts. Uh, but that's kind of what you're looking at the guard position it is – while William Barnes is listed as the backup to McKeithen, he's really not. Um, and, and Barnes had, you know, the reason he gets so much attention is because he was a highly rated offensive line recruit coming in. He is a highly rated recruit in general. Um, and so Carolina fans in South Carolina subscribers are such big you know, fanatics of recruiting for good reason. Uh, there's a reason Don Callahan's been as successful as, as he is, uh, kind of scouting guys out. Barnes has everything you want in terms of an offensive lineman. But when he got to school, it was just a matter of he had to get the conditioning right. He had to get to a point where he could kind of understand what they wanted him to do physically. Uh, more so, as, as big as some of these kids are, especially up front, it's really easy in high school because you can just kind of throw kids around. Can't do that at the college level. And so it's been a process the first couple of years to kind of get him up to speed. I think he's making strides. Uh, and as Max said, there's, there's a group of about three of them that they're hoping can compete for that eighth spot. Nobody's grabbed it yet, but Barnes is in that mix. Uh, so as you said, Tommy, he's a, he's a redshirt sophomore. He hasn't even been here half the amount of time that he's allotted. This year doesn't even count. Uh, so he's got a, a big future in front of him. He's just got to keep chipping away, and, and maybe he can get to a point where he can be a, a key contributor for this offensive line. Yeah, and that's the kind of the point I was wanting you to make is the depth chart's out, and people look at it, especially people on inside Carolina message boards, and take it almost as gospel. Right. And it, it's a framework of what's going on. And you mentioned easy. He'll slide over to cover whatever he needs to to do it. Barnes, the interesting thing that's always been about Barnes, and you mentioned Montalus, is if my memory serves, and Don maybe would be the better person, but Barnes was the guy – and Montalus was his buddy. Right, for sure. And everybody said, all for Montalus, you get Barnes too. And it's just interesting how it works out. <laughs> yep. Good luck uh, evaluating high school offensive linemen for the very reason you said. I mean, if you're 6'4", 300 pounds and off in high school, you're going to work kids for the most part unless you're just not good. 
let's look at that left guard spot and let's talk about Joshua Zudu a little bit. He's getting some preseason hype. His path, he's just a sophomore. That's what's wild about Mac Brown, what Mac Brown's building here at Carolina is these guys are young. But Azudu has got some hype behind him. What's he need to do, Greg, to live up to that? Well, what I find interesting about Azudu is, you know, last year he was really penciled in behind Charlie Heck at left tackle. And they thought that was going to gonna be his future. Um, and he's the guy that you know, Stacey Serials was able to cross train and say, look, you know, you're not going to be starting. Uh, so let's, let's play a summit guard and see how things work out. And Azudu has just kind of accepted everything that's been thrown at him. Um, he's, he's got a long frame. Uh, he's got good feet. He's strong. Uh, and so he just proved himself, like, hey, I'll play wherever you want me to play. And that's what they've got in this kid. He can play four positions. Um, you know, as I mentioned, he's your starter at left guard, but guess what? He's your backup at right guard. He's your backup at right tackle. He's your backup at left tackle. Um, he is a, a key piece of this offensive line. And I know a lot of people say, well, look, you've got your starting five that they feel good about. And the, the, the primary issue is you don't have any depth. That is true. That's, that's a very good point. However, if for some reason you lose an Azudu for, you know, for an injury, you know, say he tweaks an ankle, high ankle sprain, he can't go for a week or two. Or you know, maybe he tests positive, which you don't want any of these guys to, but say that happens and he's out for a couple weeks. Well, now all of a sudden you've not only lost the starter, you've lost your backup at three other positions. Um, and so you almost have to wrap him in bubble wrap uh, because if you lose that kid, you're really, you're really in trouble. And that, that's problematic. And so that's how thin of a line we're talking here. You don't want to lose any of these guys. But Zudu, more than anybody, has kind of proven himself to be very versatile, uh, can play inside and out. And that's something that not many of these kids can do. And that's kind of the dilemma UNC and Stacey Searles find themselves in right now. Yeah, that, the, the cross training is wonderful when you have eight guys that you can plug. It, it hurts you badly when you've got six. Well, and the downside, the downside of this is we can talk about cross training all we want in terms of, hey, we're able to get guys to play different positions. To what you're getting at, Tommy, the only reason you really do that is when you don't have a legitimate two deep. And you need guys to be able to play different positions if you have injuries or you know, positive tests or whatever it may be. Um, and so it's beneficial. We talked about this a lot. I'm trying to remember. I guess that was 2012 uh, when you had Landon Turner was playing inside and out a little bit. And it wasn't because, hey, he's this great athlete. He was a good athlete. But Landon Turner was a guard. And the fact that they were even considering having to play him outside tackle just speaks to kind of some of the troubles they had back then. Yeah, and we'll talk more about it on Saturday um, in our pregame show about the chemistry issues given everything that's going on this offseason especially. Um, but that's for a later time. Let, let's look at the tackles. Let's go right tackle first. I know Don Callahan loves some Caden Baker. He's listed as the backup. Like you said, probably Joshua Zudu there also. But anyway, Jordan Tucker, Caden Baker, some talent, uh, junior and a freshman. Still thin, but your opinion on what Carolina's got on this side of the line, I, I think probably the second most important tackle position on the offensive line for North Carolina, maybe. Well, yeah. not third with center. Right. And I think the um, – as we were talking about off air, when you look at guys you know, like White Snow, for example, he's up there at left tackle. Um, Caden Baker, as you mentioned here, at right tackle. And then Adorno, 
and even Ty Murray because he redshirted last year. A lot of young guys uh, appearing on this too deep. And that really speaks to kind of the future because when, when you're talking about depth, it's not a body's issue, right? It, it, it's You've got the bodies and you've got talented bodies. You just got to coach them up to where they're ready to play. And so there's kind of a discrepancy there of it's not that we have to recruit guys because we don't have enough kids here. We've got the kids. Now it's a development issue. And that's going to be – that's going to happen whenever you, know, you have a, a new coach come into town. You know, Max been on campus for 18 months now, whatever it is. Um, and so that's a process, and that's something that Stacey Serrells has, has to work through. So it's a good thing that you see it, you Caden Baker. Uh, I, know, I know Don likes him as a prospect that he's at least kind of moved up to where he's listed on the two deep. And that's a good sign. That's a good sign for the future. But again, you know, he, he's, he's going to be behind uh, Joshua Zudu you know, as a backup. And that's to be expected. Jordan Tucker uh, has really kind of matured. I think that was one of the kind of the um, overlooked. I don't know if overlooked is fair. It, kind of one of the storylines a lot of people missed last year is that you had so many young guys playing. And, yes, we talked a lot about Nick Polino. A lot of attention was paid to, to Brian Anderson because he was a young guy having to play center. And, then of course, Charlie Heck got a lot of attention. But North Carolina doesn't have the success that they have last year without Jordan Tucker and Joshua Zudu and even Marcus McKeithen really elevating their play significantly because those are young guys. Um, and so Tucker really emerged. I mean, he's a mammoth human being. What is he listed at? Six, almost six seven, three thirty five. Uh, just just a big kid, good teammate, uh, very very sharp kid, good good chemistry guy. That's very important. Um, but the fact that he's kind of continued to evolve, um, he, he's a good option there on the right side. I know Sam Howell's got to feel got to feel pretty safe with him at right tackle, uh, which brings up the the question you're probably going to next is. It's kind of how left tackle is shaping up. Yeah, and left tackle with Awesome Richards. Uh, I remember, uh can't remember when it was, given COVID and all that, but I think Mac threw his name out as starting at left tackle, and everybody said, what? And now he's pretty much solidified that. Uh, your thoughts on that position? I mean, this is the number one position to protect Sam Howell, I think. And I think uh, – when you look at opposing defenses, if they can get pressure, if they can get it from that side, then they're going to do it early and often. So Austin Richards, and you mentioned Tanal there as well as a redshirt freshman, these guys have to be good, and they got to stay healthy. Yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure somebody can correct me on this if I'm wrong, uh, but I'm pretty sure he played his most snaps last year against Mercer mm-hmm. and played about two dozen snaps. Um, so you're kind of like, wow, this is the kid they're going to have replacing Charlie Heck. But to your point, Tommy, even dating back to last year, uh, Mike Brown has sung his praises from very early. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, Joshua Zudu was backing up Charlie Heck early last year, kind of last spring for sure, even in training camp. They, th- they thought Zudu was kind of the heir apparent there at left tackle. Um, so when you talk about kind of the depth issues, the fact that they're comfortable with the Zudu moving inside, I think speaks volumes because Ed Montalus, uh, he started a lot of games last year. And you kind of know what you have with them on the playing field. Um, so if you were shaky whatsoever with Awesome Richards being there at left tackle, you would just put a Zudu at left tackle and let Montalus kind of uh, continue to grow inside a left guard. And they, they decided not to do that. And that 
to my knowledge, that really hasn't even been a talking point, uh, kind of behind the scenes. And so they, they have a lot of faith in this kid. He did play in nine games last year. So he did get his feet wet, didn't have a ton of snaps, uh, but played a good bit on special teams. So they think that he's progressed enough where they can depend on him at left tackle. I think that is a bit of a concern. It would not surprise me to see them give Azudu plenty of snaps at left tackle throughout the course of a game, especially in some of these games that may not be that close, uh, just to give Richards some breathers to be able to go to the sidelines. Okay, last series, this happened here to kind of help you know, uh, accelerate his growth on the sideline. That's the key part of it. But, uh, but, but everybody that we've talked to behind the scenes, even dating back to last year, uh, nothing but higher, high marks for this kid. It, it was when we talked to the 2010 team, when Joey Powell and I did that on one of our 40 club podcasts, talking to John Cooper. And mm-hmm. he talked about, remember, we talked about the LSU game. They threw Cooper out there at center. But just talking about being a guy playing and not doing well and how the, the ability to be able to come off the field, watch it, see somebody else do it, and have the coaches coach them up. Cooper talked about how big a deal that was for him. I think you're right. I think we'll see that with a guy like Richards and maybe across the board. Last thing on the offensive line, Greg, in Vipolis's podcast yesterday, Mike Ingersoll talked about the depth. You got six guys that they're comfortable with, but other people need to be able to come in just to not hurt them. We talked a lot about that in football, or excuse me, in basketball, is yep. You don't have to be a positive. Just don't be a ne- negative when you get out there. Who on this depth chart do you see that may have to fill that role? Because uh, it's going to happen. I mean, with everything that's going on, if the top six offensive linemen play all year for Carolina and get the majority of the snaps, then Carolina's gone 10-1, and one, you know, 9-2, and 10-1, and one, and had a great year. So who steps up here from what we see on the depth chart? Well, I think early on it's going to be guys that have played before. So I think it's going to be your Ed Montalises. It's going to be William Barnes. It's going to have to play some. And then Kieran Johnson, uh, a walk-on who Mac Brown has kind of praised him. Uh, Larry Fedora loved him. I mean, he's kind of a gritty kid. He's a guy that uh, whatever you need to be done, he'll do, right? He played center some. He's played nose tackle on the defensive line some. And now they've got him uh, at guard primarily. And so the fact that he's been able to kind of play on both sides, uh, he is a veteran kid, kind of a heady, kind of a short, stocky guy. Uh, they, they really like what he can bring. I think he's going to be you know, key for this team early on. And then, of course, the, the hope is, is that the way this schedule sets up, uh, you've, got, you've got Syracuse who – I mean, we'll see, we'll see how things play out Saturday, right? We never know exactly how a season opener is going to go. But just kind of following them in the preseason, it seems like there's a lot of question marks with how that program is operating right now. Uh, there's a lot of uh, questions about who's actually playing, who's taking snaps. The players have expressed concerns about how things are going. That's not a good sign. So you would think that North Carolina can, can take advantage, and you know, they're a 21-point favorite, 22-point favorite, whatever that is now. Take advantage of that. And then in the second half, you can throw anybody in the game and really feel comfortable hey, we can hold this lead. We're going to get these young guys some snaps. And then the week later, you have Charlotte, of course. And that's another one. You have your, have your main guys in the, in the game early, but then get a lot of the younger guys a lot of reps. And when you, when you talk about so many freshmen uh, in, this, in this rotation up front for North Carolina, one snap in a, of live game action is key. I mean, it, 
it does so much for these guys to understand uh, the difference in game speed, to understand the difference in defensive scheme, all these things. And so if you can kind of build on that and let them play maybe a series or two in some of these games, even if it's garbage time, uh, that's key in their development. And then you get a bye week, right? And you can kind of go over and polish some things. And so I do think the veteran guys are very key coming off the bench. But there's going to be opportunities for these freshmen to step in, prove that they can handle the playing time, and then maybe they'll be able to contribute as we get into October and November. Yeah, like I said earlier, it's been a crazy uh, COVID spring and summer and all that. It's going to be – I look to see, like you mentioned, whether it's one or two snaps or however many snaps, seeing what they do against somebody that is not their buddy, somebody right. that they don't know exactly what – you know, if you're going against Jaleel Taylor in practice, you know what he's going to do. You know his moves going against whoever it is for Syracuse or Charlotte. That'll be key. Health will be a key. Building that depth the first two weeks, three weeks actually, are good for Stacey Searles, Mac Brown. I do find it interesting that Mac Brown, who he talks about, because we talked about Greg a long time ago. Uh, Mac Brown will let you know in a subtle way who he thinks he can, that can play. Yep. And, and if folks will listen to how Mac Brown talks, you can tell whether he's positive or not, you can tell who he re- thinks is really good. I assume Richards might be one of those guys. I'm going to take a short break, talk about Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com on Franklin Street. You need to go visit them if you happen to be in town. Uh, You can visit the store, pick up the store there. They need your support. They're local, owned, and operated for a long time. They're alumni. They are all Carolina all the time at Johnny T-Shirt. And then on Franklin Street, or, or then online, if you can't make it to Franklin Street, of course, you can get online and get anything you ever want, Carolina-related. Face coverings, big deal these days. Especially if they allow fans in Keenan, you better have your Carolina face coverings or they'll, they'll be calling you out. Johnny T-shirt on Franklin, johnnytshirt.com. 10% off your order if you get Inside Carolina Premium subscription you need to. Take another short break, come back. More with Greg Barnes on the beat. We'll look at the rest of the depth chart. It's game week, North Carolina Syracuse on Saturday. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, I'm Tommy Ashley. Got Greg Barnes on the Beat Podcast. We're missing Ross Martin, missing Gregory Hall. We'll get with those guys either later in the week, maybe on Saturday or next week. But, Greg, away from the offensive line, the depth charts come out. We've already talked about how this is sort of a framework, not necessarily set in stone. But what surprises you? I'll let you pick the number one position 
when you see this, knowing what you know, covering this team, what surprises you on this depth chart the most? Who uh, surprises me? Let's see here. I guess the only thing that probably surprises me uh, is the fact that Storm Duck is listed as the uh, only cornerback kind of penciled in as a true starter. Uh, what I mean by that is Kyler McMichael and Patrice Renee are listed as an or at the other cornerback spot. Um, we know Storm Duck uh, evolved quickly last year. was thrown into the fire. I'll never forget Jay Bateman talking about the first play they put him in against South Carolina. I believe North Carolina was playing man coverage and Storm played zone. And uh, I mean, that, that's kind of what happens when you're putting a true freshman in his first game. And he, he just improved. And by the end of the year, he was a very, you know, very solid uh, defensive back for North Carolina. And the fact that he has improved as much as he had, we've heard that, that he's had a tremendous offseason, that he, he, he really kind of accelerated his, his growth curve in the spring, even though he wasn't on campus. Um, so the fact that he, he's kind of the, the number one guy cornerback, and then you got McMichael and Renee as kind of two and three, to me, that, that kind of stands out to, as a credit to what he's done. When you look at McMichael and Renee and that or in there, people see Patrice Renee as a senior, redshirt senior, been there forever. McMichael, of course, transfer from Clemson. Is that or a function of ability or is that or a function of Renee still battling back from that injury? That's what I think it is, Tommy. I think it's a, a matter that you know, Patrice Renee did not receive the all clear uh, until the end of July, uh, sorry, end of June. Uh, Cameron Kelly, for example, did not receive the all clear to the end of July. Uh, and so there, there's a reason that those two guys appear to be further down the depth chart. They just kind of took a little bit longer to kind of catch up the speed. By all accounts, those guys have come along quite a bit. Uh, but I think North Carolina has, has very talented kids at cornerback, kind of getting back to that McMichael-Renee conversation. Um, you know, Renee was getting a lot of attention coming into last year as a potential All-ACC candidate. Uh, I will remind people that you know, Trey Morrison graded out higher than Renee did the year before, 2018, at defensive back. Uh, so there's a reason that they feel really good about Trey Morrison. Um, but Renee having to miss a whole year with an ACL, you just never know how those guys are going to respond. and You never know when it's going to click that they can trust their, their knee again. Um, it's one thing to go through the motions, but when you're actually out there in scrimmage situations, you, you have to test it and you have to trust it. And that, that's easier said than done. Um, but I don't think there's any question that Kyler McMichael is a kid that they, they love at cornerback. And so it's, you know, Mac has, has stressed the, the concept of, look, we don't have ones and twos. We have blues and whites. Uh, they want to get as many guys ready to play as they can. I really believe this is a situation where they've got three cornerbacks that they can roll out there and not feel like there's going to be any kind of drop-off. And I do think it's going to be Duck and McMichael that take the field first on Saturday. Uh, but Renee's going to get just as much playing time, you know, especially as the season goes along. Yeah, and I think everybody listed on this chart, obviously it's not everybody at the position. Well, it's close since you've got, what, three opt-outs and Bryson Richardson transfers. So you, you got most everybody on the team at these positions listed. I think they all play. And I think they all play Saturday if they're healthy enough yep, to I go agree. out there, fresh, especially Q's in Charlotte, and then let it go where it goes. Looking over at the wide receivers, and this is something we talked about off the air, 
and it surprised me, um, might not mean anything, but Caffrey Brown and Antoine Green listed as the or behind Bo Corrales, given what we've heard about Antoine Green and what the coaching staff thinks about Antoine Green at times. I think that's a notable or. And we can talk about what or means. We have a little bit. But Green had the injury, you know, his himself against Syracuse last year, I think it was. Uh, but he's a guy that a lot of people think may be the best guy on the roster at the position. He's equal with Caffrey Brown, at least on paper. Yeah, you know, Jason Staples is a guy who loves Antoine Green coming out of Florida. Uh, a lot of conversation that he may have been the best wide receiver prospect, or at least one of the best coming out of Florida his year. So a lot of, a lot of potential. I mean, he's a big, tall kid who can run, and you like that. We, we've seen some glimpses of that. But to your point, Tommy, he's, he's had a lot of injuries, and that's been a problem for them. Um, Caffrey Brown, though, is another kid who's had injuries. And there's a handful of guys that we really haven't heard a lot about. Um, you know, Zach Gill on the defensive line, we didn't hear anything about him throughout camp until you know, Mac and, and Jay Bateman last year brought him up. Uh, I don't know that we've heard anybody mention Caffrey Brown, and yet here he is uh, listed as an or kind of backing up Bo Corrales. So that, that kind of speaks to kind of what he's done. Um, I would imagine if Antoine Green stays healthy, he's the guy that can really help them. And I think he, he's got enough potential to be a, a stud for them on the outside. Uh, you, Caffrey Brown, a little bit bo- different body type than his brother. But they feel like you know, he's the guy that's got a lot of speed. that They can really capitalize on his abilities. Um, and so if, if he's kind of moving up the, the depth chart the way that he apparently is, according to this, That'll be something interesting to watch as, as this season plays out. Yeah, a couple more spots here. You mentioned Zach Gill. This is one of those guys, if you listen closely, um, why, he, why the surprise that he's two behind Jaleel Taylor is notable there. But I see Desmond Evans listed behind Taman Fox, and I know a lot of people have a, you know, think Des Evans will be a guy this year, be a player this year, not just a guy. Um, him in that spot, how many on that defensive line, Greg, do you think can get legitimate snaps in the first couple of weeks? Not, you know, one or two at the end of a blowout, but legitimate snaps um, listed it on the defensive line for, for Bateman and his guys there. Well, I think, I think Matt kind of let the cat out of the bag a week or two ago when he said that if they were going to roll out a starting lineup on that particular day, it would be Jaleel Taylor, Ray Vahasek, and then Taman Fox and Tyrone Hopper. Two guys who, of course, are both outside linebackers. Uh, so that that speaks very, very much to a two-four-five look. And when you when you have the secondary that North Carolina does, that makes sense. I mean, you want Trey Morrison on the field; he's your nickelback. Uh, so you kind of roll with that. But it also kind of highlights some of the issues along the defensive front. Uh, they really like the Hasek. They really like Tamari Fox, uh, and then Jalel Taylor. He was banged up early in camp, uh, but but they like what he has there. Um, at the tackle, he can play you either three technique or the nose. And um, I think that's going to be key. The fact that you know, we're talking about Zach Gill, um, who really was forced into playing time last year, it's because they didn't have enough bodies. Um, you know, Max says that he's improved, so give him credit for that. But I, I, think, I think that's more of a placeholder spot. Um, I, I really believe you know, they think that guys like Rucker and Hester and you know, even Miles Murphy – as a true freshman, 
they're guys that have a lot of potential and they're guys that can step up eventually and play. And this is where not having spring practice and not having your standard summer workouts really hurts uh, because you know the Clyde Penders and the Murphys and even KBJ Jones, who, you know, who's, who's banged up right now with an Achilles injury. Uh, those are guys who, if they're healthy and they have enough time to prepare, maybe they can come along sooner than later. But because you had COVID and these guys did not really get their feet wet until August, you can't throw them out there immediately. You're going to have to slowly work them into it. And so I think in terms of Saturday, uh, you may see some of these younger guys play later in the game if it's a blowout. But in terms of what they can count on, I don't think the list is that high. I mean, I really believe Tamari Fox, Behasic, Jalil Taylor, and probably Zach Gill. Those are the guys that you're going to count on, and Gill being the backup, demand those up front positions. And then you hope over the next month or so that some of those young guys, Murphy in particular, can really ratchet up their play to be able to give you significant minutes later in the year. Yeah, a guy like Zach Gill, I'm not singling him out, but a guy – you know, that's a junior in the program. He needs to get it done this season because Carolina has got a lot of talent coming behind him. And with Bingley Jones out, uh, that opens up some playing time there at those three positions because I think he would have gotten significant time even as a true freshman. Greg, let's spin off from the depth chart. Obviously, going into the Syracuse week, and it's another – it's another one of those things that I don't know if it should be surprising given the climate we're in, but I believe Max said um, that they would know the results of the final COVID test <laughs> Saturday morning. How yep. on how on earth? I mean, it's the same for everybody, I assume. And Lord knows Syracuse has got their own issues. Um, but how do you prepare? I know they practice and let guys get a ton of reps, but let's be honest. If you don't find out until you who you have until nine o'clock for a twelve o'clock kick, that is going to be quite interesting to watch across the college landscape. Yeah, and it's it's a lot better than it was a month ago because yeah. back in July, I mean, they were waiting upwards of a week to get test results back. So how would you handle that? I have no idea. Um, but the fact that because of the way things have kind of ramped up, especially with on campus. Um, the last year, whenever kids came back a couple weeks ago, uh, that's when they went ahead and decided, okay, look, we're going to have to do this three times a week. Seems excessive, but you know, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not one to, to be able to you know, accurately kind of judge what, what they're basing that on. Uh, but Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And as you said, you, if you're doing the test Friday afternoon after the walkthrough, which is the plan, um, you're not going to get that result back to 9 a.m. Saturday morning. The kickoff is at 12. So it stinks for the players because you're having to kind of figure out, you know, as a coaching staff, who can you rely on. And that's, that's why it's important more so than every other year to cross-train guys and to get the younger guys ready to play. You know, Mac has made that point to his coaches uh, since they stepped foot back on campus in June, that everybody in your position room needs to be ready to play. We do not have the luxury of saying, okay, we've got our two deep. Everybody else is going to redshirt. I'm just going to tuck you off to the side. You can watch game film, but I'm not going to bother with you until next spring. No room for that right now with, with COVID. So you've got to get everybody ready. Uh, however, kind of the bigger issue is the coaching staff. 
you know, if, if you're coaching and you got Stacey Saros comes down Friday night with COVID and that pops up on your list, I mean, what do you do three hours before kickoff? And the NCAA has allowed, you know, has allowed teams to sub in, right? So if you have an analyst or you have a grad assistant, uh, you can sub them in to be the official offensive line coach that day. That is just a nightmare waiting to happen. And in North Carolina, they've done a good job. They haven't had any positive COVID tests in uh, approaching two months now. But just think about Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee had 44 guys out Saturday and they had to cancel a scrimmage. Um, and if that happens on a game week, I guess they just postpone a game. Well, yeah, I mean, and the Big 12 came out the other day, and they said that you've got to have at least 53 guys ready to play, mm-hmm. which is the, you know, the, the pro the level. Right. Um, but if you don't have 53 guys ready to play, then you can't play the game. And the ACC has not released any kind of uh, guidance in that, in that regard. Uh, hopefully that will come out this week sometime. But, you know, the ACC has already said you, you need to be prepared that if you play a game on Saturday, by Sunday, your next opponent the following Saturday, it may be somebody completely different. <laughs> because if somebody gets wiped out on a Friday and they can't play Saturday, they're not going to be able to play the next Saturday either. And so in terms of peaking ahead as much as you would like to as a coaching staff, you, you literally have to take it day by day or else you could kind of get out – out in front of your skis, if you will, and uh, find yourself in, in a bad spot. This will test – well, players are going to do what players will do. But I, I think, Greg, correct me if I'm wrong, I think this year you will see who the coaching staffs, the good coaching staffs are, more than yeah. any season ever, I think. I agree. I agree. And, and the fact that the Mac Brown has made the point that he, he wants to emulate – the bubble concept that the NBA has done and NHL has done to the best of his ability. Um, it's easier said than done on a college campus, but you know, because students didn't do what they were supposed to do when they came back on campus and everybody's kind of cleared out, that's beneficial to the football program. Um, and I think you have to take that as, as a positive. If you're a football fan, that's not good, obviously for academics, but for a sports sports specific reason, it, it's a positive for the, for the football team. Um, and so as much as they can handle that, uh, you, Mac Brown has proven that what they're doing works. And I think that's kind of a critical thing. I mean, if you look at some of the, the – I think it's interesting. You look at some of the coaches who've had success, like Bronco Mendenhall. I think Virginia released the other day. They haven't had any positive tests in the last month or so. Um, that's the positive sign, right? And you look at Tennessee, they, they've had a ton of potential cases. Um, and so depending on who your coach is – and how strictly they run things, that's what it's going to take. I mean, it's going to take a lot of babysitting. Uh, but as you said, Tommy, it's not just the babysitting. You, you can be as hardcore as you want to be in your facility. But if the guys don't understand that when they step out of that facility, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the things is the guys have to believe that, hey, you know what? Coaches want to make sure that we can play. All I want to do on this campus is play, so I'm going to do what Coach says. Um, that sounds simple enough for us because we're old heads, but you know, when you're an 18, 19, 20-year-old kid, there's a lot of temptation out there, a lot of fun to be had. And so it's the guys that are able to kind of beat that into their team for the kids to understand that. Those are the ones that are going to have success. And the reason they're going to have success is because they don't have all the disruptions. They don't have all the kids having to come in and out because something happened. 
Uh, and so I think, you know, Mac Brown being as, around as long as he has, uh, he has a good process in place. And you would think that UNC is in good position to take advantage of that this year. Yep. And he's got the gravitas for kids to listen. Yep. I mean, if you don't listen to him, you're probably not going to listen to anybody. They've gonna, done a great job of doing that over the past six months. That's Greg Barnes. I'm Tommy Ashley. If you're listening on YouTube, subscribe to Inside Carolina. Check us out and do that. You get all the updates when there's videos posted. There's a ton out now, Zoom press conferences and all that. That's one thing about the new way of doing things is folks get to see a lot more um, online or whatever. And if you're listening on iTunes or however you get your podcast, uh, certainly subscribe and rate us. Give us a review. Tell us what you like about Greg's comments or mine or the hosting ability of joey powell do it It makes us get good or bad ratings move us up the algorithm for you to see this show and also support johnny t-shirt and johnny t-shirt.com and get 10 percent off if you're inside carolina subscriber greg we'll talk later in the week um i kind of feel for you a little bit this is going to be an interesting ride getting ready it's one of those things is when the ball is kicked i believe we're playing we're closer than that we're closer to college football, but when the ball is actually in the air, that's when we know it's real. Greg, we'll talk plenty before then. Thank, uh, excuse me. Thank you for joining us. All right. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, shit. what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.